Welcome to the So Why podcast with Step Care Solutions. This podcast aims to explore issues and challenges as well as ideas and solutions leading to strengthening support for mental wellness and recovery. My name is Alexa Bull, Knowledge Exchange Manager at Step Care Solutions, and I will be your host for this episode. In this episode, we will explore co-design as a fundamental component of developing effective systems and implementing systems change. Co-design can support effective and equitable systems that include diverse perspectives and creative solutions and ideas that enhance and improve system function and overcome barriers and gaps. When we think about co-design and approaching mental health systems development and change, we can think of it as an iterative process of bringing together a variety of people with a diverse range of perspectives, interests, and expertise. These different people might be involved in the implementation of systems change or an approach like StepCare 2.0, or they can be those that are affected by systems change. Their knowledge and experiences with system interactions are crucial to collaboratively developing an effective, meaningful, and relevant system of care. Co-design aligns with the foundational principles of StepCare 2.0 and reflects the assertion that all individuals and communities have strength and capacity, and that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. It is rooted in the belief that service users and others working throughout the system can bring critical insights to the planning and implementation process by illuminating factors such as user experience, usability, language and cultural considerations, and the impact of health inequalities on access to services. The co-design process ensures the services offered are tailored, user-friendly, flexible, and relevant to the unique needs of the population being served, recognizing that an effective care system is one that ensures people have access to care when and where it is needed. Ultimately, the co-design process can lead to a more person-centric, accessible system and better service and system outcomes by including diverse perspectives and feedback. Today, we are joined by Marion Cooper. Marion is a clinical social worker and mental health and addictions leader who has worked in the community sector in various positions for nearly 30 years. In addition to her role with Step Care Solutions, Marion is the Chief Executive Officer of the Canadian Mental Health Association, CMHA for Manitoba and Winnipeg. Just prior to joining Step Care Solutions, Marion served as the Executive Lead for Strategic Partnerships with the CMHA National Office. Marion currently serves on the Mental Health Promotion Expert Working Group for the International Union for Health Promotion. Marion is passionate about recovery, social justice, system transformation, co-design, and innovation to advance mental health and well-being for the entire population. So thanks, Marion, for joining us. It's great to have you on with us today. I just start out with just a basic question, just to get us rolling about co-design. Why do you think co-design is an approach that is important to use throughout mental health and addiction systems? Well, I actually think co-design has many applications across the broader health system, but especially within mental health and addiction services. Uh, We're at a place in time where many organizations, many provinces and jurisdictions are looking at asking the question, are we delivering services the way we should be? Uh, What is our community telling us about what they're wanting? And there's an increased demand for good mental health. There's a demand for services to be available because we're all talking about mental health and really starting to uh, move in a direction where we're looking at our 
overall health in a very comprehensive way, which is a really beautiful thing about kind of this point in time. So with, with that level of awareness and engagement and systems trying to make improvements, we absolutely are poised to, to really do great things. And co-design can help us do even greater things when we ask for people from diverse perspectives to be a part of creating the solution, to support system improvement, and to be transformational in how we deliver services. That's amazing. I think you bring up a really good point there that there is a lot of awareness and momentum around mental health services, mental health systems right now. So what a fantastic time to engage folks around systems change and developing a system that works for and reflects them. What would you say some of the qualities of co-design that are important to include and embed throughout an implementation process, like part of an approach such as StepCare 2.0? Well, it's such a, a great question because, of course, one of the core components of StepCare 2.0 is, in fact, to ensure that co-design is really at the heart of how you uh, go about determining what changes need to happen within a system and how best to do that and then to deliver it. So qualities of co-design that I think really make a difference are things that happen as a result of inviting stakeholders and different perspectives to the table around system change and organizational change. Because when we invite people to be a part of those conversations, we align the service with the needs of the community, which is super important. We also gain really critical insights from either service users, people who are delivering programs and services, decision makers, planners, evaluators, the general public, people who anticipate maybe in the future they might need services, and from different segments of our population. So thinking about diversity and being inclusive in our co-design efforts bringing broad range of perspectives that reflect the different life stages and journeys that people are on. So when you bring those diverse groups together, the insight that you get and the, the kinds of conversation that can really inspire innovation is just uh, phenomenal. So I think that's one of the key elements that a co-design process really brings forward. The other thing that's really, I think, powerful is the sense of ownership that comes about when you have people involved who bring those different perspectives, who have a stake in the game of transformation and system redesign, that opportunity to get their perspective, to brainstorm, to innovate, to come up with new ways of doing things really generates a sense of ownership. And when that's done really well, it's pretty amazing to see the kind of feeling that comes about when people feel that they've been heard, their voice and their perspective are integrated into what those solutions might look like. So I think that's a, a really important part of the co-design process. I totally agree. I think, you know, what you were saying about when you engage people in the development of something, they are so much more invested and passionate about the end product and so much more interested in using it and sharing it and spreading the word. So I think that that's really important. And I also like how you mentioned about when people, when you're designing services as a part of a system, if you're just guessing at what people need, you might miss the mark. 
But when you're involving people in designing those solutions, you're actually getting at what the community needs most when they need it most. And I think that's a really, really important part of systems change and co-design really helps us to be able to do that effectively. So how can we then take this whole idea of co-design when and how do we include and engage different people and different voices and perspectives, as you've mentioned? Well, you know, it's it's one of those phrases, right? Co-design, co-production that can become buzzwords. And, you know, we hear a lot of people using that language. And that's really exciting because that tells me that people are very curious about how to ensure we facilitate opportunities for contribution and involvement of service users and others. But we want to make sure that that co-design work is authentic and true to sort of the goals of co-design and that it's not a advisory function or an opportunity to do a survey. And those are all important mechanisms for getting input. But co-design, I think, takes it to the next level. And it's really about having deep conversations and working through finding solutions for problems in a very different way. So that's one of the benefits of co-design, actually, is that, you know, it really is about solving problems in a relevant and user-friendly way. So you get to think about, well, would this be a solution and, and how could we construct that and how would we try that out? And it isn't a one-off conversation. It really is a process. And so being able to come back, did we get that right? What do you think of this? Are there other things that we haven't thought about? So it really lends itself to sort of a cascading of questions and exploration together to uh, find really innovative solutions. I mean, I think the other thing that is really important as we think about, you know, the approach to co-design and having it be inclusive and meaningful is to ensure that the system of care that we are trying to implement and develop is tailored and responsive to the communities we're serving and the range of stakeholders that are part of that community. So that's why having diverse, inclusive contribution is really important. And it can be challenging, right? Because one of the questions we always invite people to think about when you're developing a co-design approach is, is there anybody missing from this table? Who, whose voice is not being represented? And how do we keep moving in a direction that creates more inclusivity and and diverse views and even views that might be challenging, like, okay, we I don't know how we're going to do that, but that's a really important perspective. And it doesn't mean that it's all about agreement and uh, validating of ideas that decision makers or planners are having, but people bringing forward perspective that really will help us get to a different way of doing things. It builds strength and collaboration and partnerships because some of our co-design might be different um, parts of our system, different service providers and different sectors even uh, within a step care approach because we know that it's about mental health and it's about addictions. It might be about family services and primary care. So we bring different sectors together and within those different sectors, there might be different experiences of the challenges and the barriers so by bringing a team together from different sectors creates an opportunity for different partnerships and real collaboration. You know, you mentioned a few really interesting points there. First of all, moving beyond advisory groups, right? So advisory groups are amazing. And co-design brings, you know, that type of input and participation to a deeper 
level, to have those deeper conversations, to start to work through some of the problems and challenges that you actually might be facing as a part of your systems change, to deepen understanding from different perspectives and try to come up with creative solutions, which I think is fantastic. When thinking about involving diverse perspectives, really tackling a problem. And you mentioned about having room for disagreement. So it's okay if not everyone has the same perspective or the same idea or the same solution, but to allow that discussion to happen so that you can come up with some really creative ideas to work through that challenge. So in that respect, how do we really ensure that as we're doing this, as we're allowing for this discussion, we're remaining inclusive in our co-design process. We're keeping things really meaningful, worthwhile, safe for all of those who are participating in this type of initiative. Well, it's an important part of being thoughtful about facilitating co-design conversations. It starts by creating a, a positive experience for everyone who's involved. That doesn't mean keeping it light and and surfacy, right? It means creating process that allows for divergent views and diverse perspectives to come together and for people to feel that it is safe, just as you said, and that there's opportunity to learn from one another. So it's a creating that, that environment where there aren't wrong questions. There isn't a right or wrong idea So there's a lot of strategies uh, that can be used as you facilitate co-design conversations. And that's what's really beautiful right now. I think, you know, because we're all thinking about, well, how can I integrate a a co-design approach into the work that we're doing around system change and quality improvement and system redesign? There are great strategies, great tools that are really good facilitators of creating that safe space. One of the key tenets to that is recognizing that everybody that's around the table, that's a part of a co-design, is an expert. It isn't like, you know, the people who deliver the program or run the, the service are the experts. And those of us who are experiencing service usage are the recipients. It, it's a really about collapsing the, the power dynamic that can come about as a result of some of uh, our traditional ways of organizing ourselves in hierarchical or you know, approaches. But it's recognizing that everybody brings expertise. And that expertise is so critical to finding the solutions and, and moving our, our initiatives forward in a positive way. So really ensuring that the people who are around the table are given equal time to contribute, uh, that there's lots of different diverse activities that facilitate, you know, that peeling back the, the layers that can sometimes get in the way of understanding what the possibilities are. You know, one of the things that we've all been a part of, and, you know, most jurisdictions all over Canada, and I suspect globally, Uh, find themselves doing, you know, environmental scans and reviews and assessments. And in fact, a part of our Step Care 2.0 approach is to do the populating the model approach, which is really about what are the services out there? What are the what are the initiatives that are available to people? And with that comes what are the barriers and challenges? Sometimes we can get really weighed down by talking about the barriers and challenges. And that's really important, of course. If we want want to solve a problem, we need to understand what the issue is. So it's important dialogue. But if we stay in that place of what the problems and challenges are, 
we don't get to the place of thinking about what the possibilities are, which is what I think is so transformational about the Stepped Care 2.0 approach. It's an invitation to think about innovation and doing things differently, recognizing the strengths and the assets that we have currently in our programs and services and systems, but also understanding how we can do things differently to do things in a way that meets greater community need and incorporates really novel thinking about how we go about serving our communities to address their mental health and substance use issue needs and our psychosocial needs. So we have to move beyond just talking about barriers and challenges and talk about what has worked really well. What are some of the possibilities, things we've never considered, we've never tried, or if money wasn't a problem, what would make a difference here? So it's allowing that kind of imagination and that creativity to really validate it and to not jump to that conclusion. Well, we can't do that. We don't have the funding or, you know, we don't have the expertise for that or that's outside of the scope of this project. Let's think about the possibilities. Let's think about how we can co-create, co-produce together and then look at how we can implement that idea or what parts of that idea are possible. I love that idea of exploring possibilities, expanding on thinking and allowing those conversations to really flow freely without hindering them by the negative, you know, which which sometimes tends to happen in some conversations. I also I really appreciated the tip around collapsing some of the, the power dynamics when meeting and co-designing and valuing everybody's knowledge and wisdom as equal rather than those who are facilitating the process having all of the knowledge and wisdom. I really love that and I think it's really, really important. Along the same lines, thinking about co-design and how we often engage groups with really diverse perspectives and sometimes diverse backgrounds and different cultures and a variety of people with lived and living experiences that may differ quite a bit with mental health problems and or illnesses. You know, we engage different types of communities and co-design. What are some really important things when we are engaging with all of these different types of people with all of these different types of background and experiences to be really mindful of to ensure that we're being authentic in our approach and that we remain true to the sentiment behind meaningful co-design? Well, it's such an important question because being authentic in what we're striving to do is really important. And I think it comes back back to the idea of creating diverse space for us to do the co-design work, recognizing that we are at a place in time where we we are really trying to understand the ways in which we want to advance evidence-informed, evidence-based, and wisdom-grounded approaches. And so in all of that, there's many types of expertise that we need to tap into And unless we consider all of those things, we will shortchange the authenticity that's required to get to those important solutions. It used to be that system redesign would happen because, you know, this is the literature review. Here are the experts that are informing us, that we're consulting with, and here's what we recommend we move forward with. And that's, of course, important information and an important perspective to be a part of a co-design approach. But we also know that, you know, wisdom and lived experience and wisdom that is rooted in 
be it cultural or other evidence-informed approaches through our communities that bring lots of different kinds of evidence um, are important to consider. Evidence isn't just the empirical stuff that happens to be documented in uh, peer-reviewed journals that we are now understanding and appreciating and being reminded that we need to move away from some of those perspectives that can be rooted in colonial approaches. And so as we think about building those teams to support co-design, it's recognizing that that lived experience, that, that wisdom, those approaches are very much needing to be a part of that authentic process and getting us to a place where we come up with the kinds of services that really will make a difference. And they're likely going to be you know, very diverse approaches that we probably will be pleasantly surprised. And then we get to try them out and learn even more. Are they making a difference? Is it producing the results that we expected? What are people telling us about this, this new way of doing things or this old way of doing things with these kinds of improvements? It's really about facilitating that continuous improvement approach, which is something that systems and healthcare have, have embedded within services for for decades, whether it's accreditation expecting quality improvement initiatives or organizations that have commitment to quality improvement. Um, This really, I think, amplifies those commitments, but it brings it to a different level because it will be authentic and based on many different levels of expertise. I think it's really exciting that we live in a time where we're starting to understand and recognize that all of these different types of knowledge and wisdom are so incredibly valuable. And you mentioned right at the beginning that co-design is an iterative process. It's it's not something that stops with one consultation. It's an ongoing conversation. It's a it's a dialogue where we're consistently and constantly learning throughout. And I think that's really important for us to understand when we're thinking about systems change. You know, you just mentioned, we try it out, then we go back and see how is that working? Did that work for you? Are there other ideas that stem out of that? And I think that's such an important aspect of the the entire idea of including co-design in systems change. We've come to, you know, to the end of our our interview, our time together, and we've explored quite a bit about co-design in this short period of time. But I'm wondering if you have any sort of tips or wisdom that you want to leave us with today that you think is really important for folks to understand and grasp about the whole concept of co-design and using co-design as a part of systems change. I think it takes time to integrate co-design approaches in an authentic, deep way. It's about a deep, deeply democratic process that ensures diverse voices and perspectives and expertise are at the table. And you have to trust and build a process that allows for that space to begin to transform a culture within an organization. Because really, this has the, the ability to be very transformational, even in terms of the kinds of cultures that we work in that are all about trying to serve our community's needs in a more comprehensive way. So it really is like a paradigm shift, right? Um, it isn't something that you just do as a standalone activity. This is about shifting how we do the work we do to create an opportunity for participation at so many different levels that facilitates deep contribution from people who have really important perspectives and expertise to share. And so I would say, don't be afraid to try co-design work. If it feels hard, 
it should feel hard because it means that we're trying to do something different and we're trying to do it authentically. And we're trying to listen and work together in a way that really is about finding solutions and innovating on things that are really challenging and uh, in circumstances that can be very challenging and to not give up on that. So it's a real, I think, aligned uh, approach with our commitments to a recovery-oriented mental health system because it's all about hope and knowing that we can do better. And, you know, there are many things that we've all looked back on and think, oh, I can't believe we did that, right? And I'm sure there'll be things that in the future we'll look back that we're doing right now that we'll say, I can't believe we did that. But the goal is to continue to improve and to do better and to serve our communities. And I think co-design really supports that process. Thank you so much, Marion. I think, you know, you've left us with a hope to go and explore possibilities around co-design and see what happens and see what comes out of it. So thank you so very much for joining us today. We've really, really appreciated all of the insight and wisdom that you've shared with us. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you once again for joining us on the So Why podcast with Step Care Solutions. For more information on the Step Care 2.0 model, the Wellness Together Canada portal, as well as links to resources mentioned in this episode, please check out the show notes below. Thanks for tuning in once again. We look forward to having you back next time.